welcome to the Bradley's House Podcast. This is Kelly Noel, your host. I'm so happy to have you with us today. We have a super special episode. Anna, our producer, is going to be co-hosting with me. Our guest today is a multi-platinum Oscar and Grammy-nominated musician, producer, arranger, composer, who's worked with artists like Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Mariah Carey, The Offspring, Rancid, No Effects, Pennywise, and our good friends Pepper. Please welcome the versatile and talented Ronnie King. Ronnie, thank you so much for being with us today. What an awesome intro. Well, I I've had never to battle with the airport, airport <laughs> announcer there. Dang. I really appreciate you making time for us today. I know you're busy. No, I'm stoked to be here. Are you kidding? I've been watching the show since its inception. And Thank so this you. is like a, uh, this is a manifest destiny to do the show. Oh, you're so awesome. And I know our producer, Anna, is super excited to talk with you. She is a musician herself, so she has oh. a whole different set of questions than I do. I do. Okay. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, I'm super grateful for Eddie and Caitlin of Plastic Culture who connected us. They're such great people. We had them on the show a couple months ago. They're awesome. Those two are like, their energy is like beyond right. and when i met them i was like wow you remind me of me like oh. 30 years ago yeah they're they're <laughs> hustlers they're really like going for it and i love that yeah. dude no and we need that in orange county too we need some fresh fresh blood i agree i agree yeah. and i have to say i absolutely adore your assistant audra she's fabulous oh, yeah. oh my gosh she and i had the funniest conversation we were laughing the whole time i'm pretty sure we're best friends at least i hope we are oh you will really when you her. meet her you're gonna be like that's my sister and you know yeah. the great thing about her is she's everything she's red carpet She's dealt wow. with actors. She's dealt with me for many years. And like, <laughs> there's nothing that stirs her or trips her out. And she's just, and girl power. Oh, you guys are straight. <laughs> you get a broken she's tire here. somewhere. She's right there. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I'm super going to have to call her up after this and make plans. Yeah. <laughs> so are you an LA native? I was born and raised in Indio, California. You might know that oh, for Indio, the Coachella concert. I do. I do know it very well. I lived in Palm Desert for a summer, which was kind of crazy. Oh, brutal. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's why yeah. I'm out of here, dude. It's already like 117. I'm so out. Yeah, so, it, um, it was pretty nuts. 117 was how hot it got that summer. And I was interning at an NBC affiliate, so I was covering a brush oh, sure. fire. Sure. <laughs> brush fire sure. and weather. I don't recommend it. No, it's brutal. Uh, well, I'm from a family of seven. I'm at the bottom of the barrel, second to the youngest. And all of my brothers and sisters are virtuoso players and readers. And none of them went into the music business. And both of my parents play music. My dad came over with the, uh, you ever watched the movie, The Grapes of Wrath? Yes. It was a classic. Well, anyways, they were actually in the movie and that's how they got to California. We're picking oh, wow. But they would play the barn dances on Friday and Saturday night with 15 of their kids, right? So, mm. um, anywho. That's awesome. So playing piano was just sort of a natural thing for you because you come from a musical family. So my, 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 my classical piano teacher two years into college goes, dude, you will never play for the L.A. Philharmonic. It's just not going to happen. You don't have, like, what it takes, basically. And she goes, I suggest you just follow your dream and go to Hollywood and rock out. And that was the nice. best thing she could have ever said. It was like, thank you, because I didn't let my parents down. I didn't let me down right. because she basically said, it's not going to happen. 
and I believed her. And I'm so happy I did. Well, I'm glad she encouraged you to do what you had to do so far. <laughs> it didn't sound really like sucked. encouragement at the time. No. But... <laughs> <laughs> Don't do what you want to do, but here, go do this instead. Yeah, no, she broke me down. You know? But it worked and then out. Just, and one more ruler slap against the hands like, no, you do not have great technique. It won't happen. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, just don't hit me again. That's the right. tough love, though, you know? It is. Hey, classical people and music and classical, as, as, as you know, Anna, it's, it's very, it takes a certain kind of brain and mentality and mathematics yes. to yes. be a great player. You know, you can play for love, and that's awesome, as, and we all do that. But to be a really technical player in the classical realm, you have to, you know, it's a certain kind of brain, you know? Yes, and it's an all-encompassing thing. You don't half-ass you know, playing no. an orchestra, you are in the orchestra or you are not. Yes. You know? And you can do that all over. And it used to, back when I was younger, I, I read really good. So I was good at reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you don't read, it, it just goes away. You're just yeah. not fast anymore. And I, I went and saw Andre Bocelli um, right before the pandemic. And I got to go to the rehearsal for the symphony and dude, they'd never played with the guy before, but they read so good and they're mm-hmm. the real deal. And boy, when you, when you saw them rehearse, it's like, Oh, all right. Uh, seems like everybody's together. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I loved it. I was like, wow. Yeah. It just reminds me once again that, uh, but guess what I get to do now? I've got the orchestra in Lviv, Ukraine. <laughs> and I give them the music that I'm writing, and then they just write the or- orchestration for me. You know? <gasps> really? Do you they intentionally do. pick just outrageous like keys just to see if you can trip <laughs> them up? Or because I would, if I <laughs> you <laughs> well, you know, I I love playing, but just like you, it's I reading music is yeah. I, I don't know where, you know, if there's naturals and sharps and flats. I can't, my brain doesn't do that anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. I, mine doesn't do it as well, but, um, uh, they, they definitely do. I don't think I could trip up that orchestra or any <laughs> orchestra probably. I could trip up Kaleo from Pepper pretty easy, but ah. nobody else. <laughs> now, how did you get connected Shout out to with Pepper. the orchestra? Yeah. We'll get there. We will get there. How did okay. you get connected with the orchestra in the Ukraine? Oh, in the Ukraine. Um, I have a business partner that I deal with actually out of Canada. He's a <gasps> Which chief, is where Anna chief. is. Yes, that's where I am. Oh. <laughs> okay. In the Okanagan Valley okay, is yeah. a guy. A guy, I produce his daughter, Kelly Derrickson. He's Chief Ron Derrickson. And he helped their tribe make billions of dollars and get it, getting the money back from the government or whatever. He, wow. Did I, wow. am I okay again? Yes. Am I, okay. Um, anyways, he introduced me to a guy who does business and he lives in Lviv. And I was in, um, where I'm going right now. I'm going to Ibiza and I went, well, I'm in Ibiza. I can fly over to the Ukraine. Uh, like in an hour and a half. Yeah. And I ended up there and the people were so nice. And I met my business partner there, Richard. And uh, the rest is really history. They were like, we love you. And I was like, I love you. And they were like, we want to be in Hollywood. And I said, I want an orchestra. And it just, that was it. So they've been writing orchestral music for me, even during the pandemic. That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, that is really cool. How does your uh, background in classical music help you with hip hop and punk and all the other projects that you've done? Um, 
I would say recall, if that's uh, mm. a good word yeah. to use. Um, since I studied so much, it's like I see the music in one run, basically, right? Mm. Analytically, I guess. Yeah. So you could play like a song, a song for me once, and I can basically get most of the parts in my brain from one go round type of thing. Wow. Just because of my training. So when right. I was in hip hop, you know, everything was still on two inch, right? So there was no computers, none of that. So right. it was imperative that we didn't sit around all day and have everybody in the studio trying to figure out the parts. That right? makes sense. Yes. So they would call me and they would say, hey, Ronnie King, here's this song by Slot in the hip hop world. Here's a song by Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, just replay the whole song. <laughs> oh, my. And you were like, and don't mind it. if I do. Yeah, don't <laughs> mind if I do. And, and yeah. And I would literally do it like, and the thing is, since it was on the two inch, I had to play it live. Mm-hmm. All the way through the song because they don't, they wow. don't, there was no chopping, cutting, pasting. There was right. none of that in that world. I mean, they could, but it was very, it took a long time, basically. Right. So right. I would run that through, boom, 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 boom. And then the rappers could really get on the mic within an hour's time. So my wow. efficiency to do that. And then once Hollywood and the hip hop scene kind of figured that I could do that, I would do that with five different sessions a day, I'd go from a Tupac set. Uh, well, no, Tupac never worked that early, but the offspring, they would call <laughs> me and go, bro, can you be in the studio at 10 AM? I'm like, dude, who works at 10 AM? Uh, <laughs> we do. We're the offspring. And yes, we do right. rock at 10 AM. Cause they're like more tech, you know, Brian's like a biochemist. Yeah. Yeah, so brilliant. So yeah. he likes to get up early, have his coffee and start, you know, doing that. So, I would get there. I would do them all day. Then I'd rehearse for a show going on tour with whoever at the time I was in a, well, the early years I was in a band called the joy killer. We were signed to F yeah. records with and, Jack Grisham. Of uh, course. That's right. <laughs> and we, you know, what the funny thing is, is Jack and I, we were like, he, he always wanted to be Ethel Merman. You know who that is? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although I like to see that, but okay. I like that so much. Jack's the most punk, like, outrageous guy, but he loves to sing like the guy from Spandell Ballet. Oh, my gosh. That's fabulous. Oh, watch. Jack's going to come out before he dies. He's going to come out with some freaking sappy, you know, Spandell Ballet record. Ballad, And they're going to go, what? And I'm going to go, dude. Sock Kevin. Yeah, you saw this coming oh, thing before you even coming. wrote Code Blue. <laughs> it, yeah, right. It went from Code okay. Blue to freaking I Gotta Be Me. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh. So we just wrote, we wrote music for eight years, man. We'd go around Hollywood and pick up money and record deals from every label. It was a little different day and time. They were throwing a lot of money around, right? So we had a lot of guys around us at that time and. So we were just going slanging songs and beats and bands. And then uh, Brett Gerwitz from Epitaph came and says, look, you guys are done with this. I'm going to sign you guys to a five-year deal, three albums, yada, yada, yada. And that was the rest of that history. And then that's how I got tied into Pennywise and No Effects and the whole Epitaph, Rancid and all those guys. Yeah. Which is you went on tour in 1998 with Rancid, right? Uh, 98, 99, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've been going, I've been with the, I mean, if they got a T, 
you know, it's funny. They, they Most people call me for like the big gigs, right? Mm-hmm. So they call me when they're on some TV show or if they've got to go to Japan for some, you know, bigger looking mm-hmm. festivals. And, and the offspring was always fun because Brian goes, hey, Rockney, I want you to go out on tour with us. And uh, I'm like, okay, cool. I said, okay. And so I'm thinking I'm going, I got to rehearse. I said, you want me to rehearse or anything? He goes, no, no, no. You're just going to play that song you did with us. I did a song with them called Hit That, yeah. which was mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. over probably two million by now. But um, we didn't know what it was. So I recorded that song with them. He goes, no, you're just going to play that song on tour for like, oh, I was out with them for years, really. <laughs> I said, for what? Like one song? He's like, yeah. Wow. That's a nice cushy little gig. You Dude, know? <laughs> I, I would literally go play one song, and that was it. Wow. Yeah, pretty fun. That's awesome, that though. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Did I lose topic, or was I just ranting? No, no, no. that was fabulous. Just, just, oh, I'm on topic. On to okay. more, yeah, yeah, we're, we're still doing great. And oh, yeah, we're just still in awe. Jeff Grisham, yeah, okay, then it and, led and, and to you, the offering. Yeah. You did the Pennywise, <laughs> um, the secret track. That's the full circle. That yes. was amazing. Uh, you know, Pennywise was such a huge band at that yes. time. And they called, me, you know, their Jason, you know, suicide and the whole mm-hmm. thing. Terrible yeah. uh, situation at the time. And uh, Fletcher called me up. He says, Ronnie, you got to do Unknown Road. And we're at the studio right mm-hmm. now. Get over here. And so I did it. And um, I literally was at the black, oh, I get chills when I'm talking about, uh, just sitting at the grand piano in the middle of this big studio and all the boys were around me and I just played the song for like 15 minutes and just improvised mm-hmm. on it and flipped it around and went here and you'd hear, if you listen to the track, you hear the boys crying mm-hmm. on it and it was a real heavy moment really for yeah. all of us because it was still so fresh, you know? Yeah, right. But um, but it ended up uh, as a secret track on Full Circle. Not Full Circle. And, mm-hmm. and then years later, I was finding stuff on the internet, like YouTube and stuff, where classical kids from all over the world transcribed the whole 15-minute solo. Wow. It, wow. Exactly. Yeah, if you look on YouTube, just put Pennywise secret piano track. and there are kids literally that play, they play all the wrong notes that I played. I mean, what, you know, imp- improvised all this different stuff and they play it exactly. That's insane. And I was like, it was insane. I mean, it, it really, and they, I did a couple shows with them where I opened up for them just with the piano. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. We did the Palladium. We did like the Greek theater a couple times at that time. And so, um, you know, now that everybody's getting back out on tour again, maybe you'll see me out there and I'll do it again because it's pretty impactive, I thought. That would be Absolutely. Awesome. Oh yeah. my gosh. When yeah, did you start playing the Hammond organ? Oh, God. Uh, I was going to ask for... that, Kelly. I'm yeah. sorry, I had to bring it up. It's, it's yes, you do, of course. specific thing. Well, let me tell you what. When I started the keyboard, there were no really electronic keyboards at the time. There was like a piano and a Hammond organ. So probably five. And then I had this uh, one buddy of my brother's because I'm like I say, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. So my oldest sister's like 16 years older than I am. Right. 
So one of my brothers had a buddy who played in a soul band or whatever, and he showed me how to use the bass pedals and, you know, use all the all the tabs and everything like that. And then, you know, as technology and all that stuff progressed, then usually the big studios would have that. And then, man, sometimes people would just call me in to just play the Hammond, really a weird kind of thing. That's kind of, oh. that was, you know. Do you play the Hammond with a spinning Leslie cab the way it's supposed to be played? <laughs> of course. Good, good. Oh. <laughs> I was a little bit worried because if you were going to say no, the whole dynamic of the rest of this conversation was going yeah. to drastically change. Hey, let me, tell you the, <laughs> the, let me tell you the two things that studio and young musicians of today or just musicians of today do not remember. One. If you have a Hammond organ, you gotta have the spinning speaker. Mm-hmm. Two, if a keyboard player shows up to your studio session, you gotta have a sustain pedal. Yes. Uh huh. Do you know how many mm. studios I go to? And I'm like, bro, you got a sustain pedal? And they're like, oh. I went and oh, played no. with Kaleo in Denver a couple weeks ago for a show. Uh-huh. And so I ordered a keyboard from the management, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. bro, okay, yeah, no problem. We'll get you the keyboard. Okay. I get there and there's no freaking sustain pedal. I'm like, dude, there's no sustain. And I worked this guy for like, I don't know, a while. And then out of my bag, I secretly pull out my sustain. I was going to say, of course you have one. (laughs) Of course. And I just looked at it for a while. Oh, I made him sweat so good. Good And I'm like, bro, next one imperative that you, that, that you make sure I got that, you know? Yeah. I guarantee they're never going to forget. They, well, he's not going to forget it. And no. if he's managed, if he's going to be management for us, it's like, bro, come on. Yeah. We all had, we have duties, <laughs> jobs Absolutely. to do. Everyone. So since you, <laughs> sorry, go since ahead. you mentioned Kaleo, <laughs> tell us about how Naughty Don came about. Naughty Don came about 14 years ago. We started writing. I was out on tour with the offspring. He was just starting to blow up with the, with Pepper. Maybe, or maybe it bump been kind of like the pepper, right? And uh, he would get off tour. I'd get off tour and he'd go, hey, man, let's meet at the boat. I have a little boat down in Newport, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go down. He goes, yeah, let's just write some music. So we started writing literally, it might have been 20 years ago, because it was literally about a year after Kona Town. Wow. Yeah. And uh, then we've been writing songs. We have so many songs. So as, um, you know, things started progressing, we were kind of like, Kaleo's like, hey, man, you want to think about putting these songs out? I said, well, we could just put them out as a licensing deal. We don't have to disrupt our careers, you know, over it. Mm-hmm. And he played the music for Law Records, you know, his Ezod yeah. and the buddies over there. And Esau's like, are you guys nuts? We're, we're putting this record out. So we hightailed it uh, about three, four years ago, and we've just been making it work. And now we've completed eight songs, and uh, we still got a bunch more, but we're going to put out the EP. And uh, right now seems fitting because, you know, everything is what it is. We'd like to get out and tour a little bit. And I think that the music is way different than what everybody's putting out right now. And I love my, well, I call it white boy reggae. 
I'm not no disrespect <laughs> no, to the game. Generally accepted, yeah. That's what I call it. And but we're a little bit different because I throw a little bit of the hip hop in there mm. and and Kaleo's gotten more jazzy with his thing. So I think the combination, and that's why we call it electric beach, because it's kind of like the pro quo of what's what our scene is out there, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. what the scene is but yet it's got ronnie king on real instruments real clavinets and doing it my way i guess my Absolutely. style it's a it's a very unique sound and i think it's exciting I, it's exciting here you so the first single easy is out now yeah. on all digital platforms for anybody who wants right. to check that out and yep. then the album electric beach releases digitally and on vinyl july 23rd correct. and it's available yep. for pre-order now That's on right. law records just law-records.com which we talk about every episode because of course the house that bradley built which you were on um, i was very for- involved in that yeah, record. you guys did waiting for my ruka that was that's fabulous. right i liked it that was a fun one what other one we did uh waiting for my ruka uh-huh that's that where fantastic. i'm yeah that was a fun no that was a great record and what was behind you know the you know, it was for all the right reasons. That's all I can say. Absolutely. And it's funny because Bradley, um, Gwen, all everybody was like kind of blowing up. And when Jack and I, we did the Joy Killer, they were all huge fans of Jack, right? Because of TSOL. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we would, all three of us would go out on tour and play so many shows around OC, Northern Cal. We had, we had a ball together. So I personally got to, be on the state same stage as Bradley and with Gwen in the early days and and it it just uh to get back and to do that record was uh really memorable for me I must say it was it was very special for us to have you on it so thank you for doing that it was really meant very good very good yeah and you also have done some work down in South America right Argentina uh yeah well Argentina and I am also uh central uh Costa Rica I've been going out to Costa Rica for 15 years and have property oh. uh at a ranch down in Tamarindo oh. oh fabulous So what I've done I'm building it right as as we speak we're building a portable recording studio and we're going to go into the jungles of Costa Rica and record songs Oh my god that will yeah. be yeah, you guys yes. got to come because we all wear our swimsuits. We get in the ocean, we jump in, and then we just boom, everything's set up on the sand and we record music. It's, oh. I've been doing that for years, man. So, anyway, so in doing that, I had gotten together with some big real estate guys and all that. And they're like, Ronnie, what do you think of the music situation in Costa Rica? And I said, I don't know anything about it. All I do is come down and surf, eat the food, and just chill. So they introduced me to like the biggest dudes in the country that make movies, records, and yada, yada. And I ended up producing every one of the biggest artists in Costa Rica. Debbie Nova, Gandhi, Pedro Campmanny, um, then the list kind of goes on. Avelino, I mean, all these different guys. Uh, Debbie Nova was up for a Latin Grammy last year. So anyways, as fate would have it, I get pulled into the music business in Costa Rica. Well, I'm very much into regenerative lifestyle. You know, I have a 40 acre ranch in Thermal, which is near Coachella, which is near the festival grounds, Mm -hmm. kind of by the salt and sea. Anyway, so I I have dates. I'm a date farmer. I I farm dates. 
So I have all these so dates neat. out there. It's yeah. so fun. So I love to garden. I love regeneration. So I have my own garden. I make my own salads. I do my own thing, right? And then everybody around us have, you know, grass-fed beef and, you know, whatever. Oh, so we're wow. like a big community out there of regeneration and permaculture. And we don't use pesticides on the dates and oh, anything, so right? Cool. So in Costa Rica, they do the same thing. So I got right. involved with a big university out there. Long story short, they're like, Ronnie King, you're going to be the goodwill ambassador to Costa Rica through music and you're going to be the voice that tells people about regeneration and how to that we don't need fertilizers and pesticides and da 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 we can really raise our own food and even where you live in the city you know uh, orange county you can have your own fresh garden in your backyard you can do it like, so it's like an intersection of two passions of yours. It is. It is. And regeneration also with health right, too, right? right. So we're going to, cool. so we do it with working out. We do it with food. Kaleo is a huge advocate for regeneration. Mm-hmm. He's a yoga dude. He eats mm-hmm. well. He's, you know, there's a whole lifestyle change, I think, with a lot of people. So I just combine music in the regenerative lifestyle. Argentina, I've produced some of the biggest bands down there. I go down there quite a bit. Um, and just hang out. Eric Bobo from Cypress Hill, he lives down there. He's got like a wife and kids down there. So I see him a lot down there. Um, yeah, I love Latin America. I love all things Latin, really. I'm so struck with all the different things that you've done, different genres and, um, you know, different uh, entire fields of of study and interest and all this kind of stuff did you did you seek out all of these things or do they just kind of seem to fall in your lap because you're out there making things happen and and one thing leads well to yeah i you know personally um the first part of my career was purely by osmosis mm-hmm. i was just i would drive through la coming from india i'm like i'm gonna beat you la you're not going to beat me. I'm going to play on records. I'm going to be the man. So nice. it started kind of with that. Yeah. And uh, kind of the rest is history. L.A. in the end kicked my ass pretty much. <laughs> As it does everyone's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish. I mean, I had a couple spirited moments where I thought, oh, I got the tiger by the tail. But uh, no, no, didn't really go that way. So. Uh, you know, you change the atmosphere and then in changing the atmosphere, I think that, uh, I think the universe knows my, um, range of yeah. musical ability. So, um, I mean, who knew I was in the reggae business? I mean, when mm-hmm. I did Kona Town, I don't know when we would do that, 2002, maybe Kona Town. Uh-huh. I played keyboards on that record for them. Right, all the right. all I've played keyboards on every Pepper record since day one. No one may wow. not know that, but wow, yeah, isn't that weird? And I and I I didn't I didn't even know they were Hawaiian. That's what's weird. <laughs> How did you? I not swear know to that God, night? I didn't know anything. You know when it did hit me is, is when. No, when they started like going, oh, bro, we're smoking weed, right? You remember everybody started coming out. Everybody's like, oh, bro, we're doing this new brand. We're smoking weed, right? That It's like, and now everybody's on the brand of smoking weed. It's like, dude, 
that's uh, when you knew they were from Hawaii. Or? Follow me on this. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, dang, these guys are are branding everything. Then they yes. started coming out with buttons, pins, hats, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, man, and they're really pushing this Hawaiian thing. <laughs> this Hawaiian thing? They're weird about the Hawaiian thing. And I told Kalel, I said, I'm not going to lie, dude. I had no freaking idea you guys were Hawaiian. <laughs> he goes, oh well, where gosh. did you think we were writing a, a, an album called Kona Town? I said, I don't know. I wasn't even, I, th- that's been my career, really. Yeah. I mean, when people go, go with it. when people are like, oh, bro, did you hang out with Tupac? And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, well, yeah. I mean, I was making music. I was just doing, or they're like, oh, did you hang out with the legend Jack Grisham? It's like, yeah, we were in vans touring. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, it, it it's not, I don't know. It doesn't equate with me too much. The music, I think, plays the biggest part of the whole thing. Right. And um, so they're like, did you really meet Tupac? I'm like, well, how in the hell was I supposed to plan his music and not meet him, right? <laughs> you played it's on like, almost the entire Until the End of Time album, right? Uh, I did that one. I did Better Days. I did, uh, we gave John V his first single with Tupac. I did Casey and JoJo, How Do You Want It? I mean, yeah, lots. Wow. Of, yeah. Wow. But see, the whole catch with that is you had to get through the double bulletproof doors at death row. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't even think of that. Wow. Uh, yeah, let's get that to the de- let's get to the details. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Let, let's get let's get through the barrage of really tall guys in front of the door going, who the, who the hell are you doing? Oh my god. What are you Was what are you doing here? And I did not have the political color in that genre no no was that intimidating no because i i knew i'm she, I, my manager was jerry heller so you knew what there, you were there to do and you were confident i knew that. what i was there to do right jerry was my manager jerry was the manager of nwa he mm-hmm. owned ruthless records he yeah, was so were- uh we call him h2o jerry uh you know, heller heller 20 <laughs> percent. yeah jerry heller was a notorious hip-hop gangster producer wow and you've also written a book because you know why not <laughs> yeah hey i just wrote a book and it's really so it's re- really seven major fun keys, right? seven, seven major, major keys, keys and it's available on amazon yes Let's get that out and there. where all books are yeah you know what it was a little buddy of mine who i guess had been mentoring all these years um he said you got to write a book about your stories like you should write memoirs. I'm like, nah, I'm not ready to write memoirs. <laughs> he goes, well, why don't you write like a little workbook? And I'm like, okay. I kind of sat on that for a minute. I said, yeah, well, I could write a book about how to navigate Hollywood. That seems simple enough. You <laughs> know, but does it? <laughs> Maybe for you, it's simple enough. <laughs> just just well, Hollywood 101. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like Hollywood 101. Like, what do you do? If somebody, if somebody calls you to come to the studio and play guitar on a record, and give you 300 bucks and a Swiss army knife at two o'clock in the morning, do you get out of bed? That's a very key, right? (laughs) Well, guess what? I, I did that and I played on the next two Mariah Carey records from that one movie. Wow. Wow. Her brother called me and said, bro, I got these songs I'm working on. It wasn't even for her, but I kind of went, well, I mean, that's as close to Mariah Carey as I'm going to get tonight. Right. So, (laughs) He goes, I got 300 bucks, six pack of beer. And I said, okay, cool. 
went down there. It was like two in the morning, played these songs. It ended up going on this group called The Quo, which was a Michael Jackson band at the time. But anyway, so it went that way. And then I ended up, yeah. And then he plays the song for his sister. And she goes, I want that dude on my next song, which happened to be with Snoop Dogg and blah, blah. And and then, so it's like that. So in the book, it's kind of like, where's your crossroads? Or or do you, would would you get up? Would you get up at two o'clock in the morning to go do something and then try to make the result of what happens down the road type of thing? So that's what the book's about. Uh, Very inspiring. Yeah, yeah it was fun. Cool. It was fun to write because it reminded me of some stories. And you know what? I still use the metaphors today, and it hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. a big, a big part of it. It's just you never know what something's going to lead to. So don't don't turn down anything. You never know, you know, where it's going. Well, go and yeah, and use you know some of it is like I'm going to walk inside this airport. My plane's getting ready to board, but I'm just going to talk a little quieter. but it's like you got to use your gut right right and my manager always used to say he goes look get in the car two Uh, right keep your head down and keep your mouth shut absolutely three make sure they spell your name right on the credits (laughs) four collect a check not a big check not a little check but some form of check right and then That's if you can, advice. if you can do that in your career, not only can you play with anybody, but they'll like you because they're like, dang, that dude got up for me at two in the talk in the morning and, and he really helped me out, you know? Absolutely. That's very powerful. Yeah. Well, I will say, Ronnie, besides being incredibly talented, you are an incredibly cool guy to speak with. And I really oh. appreciate you taking the time for us. I know you're at the airport getting ready to get on a plane. Oh. I can't tell you how much this means to me that you would take the time to do this. And and also to be on the house that Bradley built and to share your talent yeah. with us. Thank you so much. Really. Well, that I was, I was, I was blessed and honored to be on that record. And uh, I would do it again. If the there's greatest. a third, you know, and uh, look out for the Naughty Don, Kaleo Wasserman myself for having a good time. Absolutely. So we're definitely going to keep an eye out for that album releasing in July. And as I mentioned, okay. everybody can pre-order that on law-records.com. <clears throat> Check out your book on Amazon. Um, and also the 20th anniversary release of Tupac's Until the End of Time, which will be out That's next month as well. Out. That's right. Absolutely. Let's get that. So. All right. Well, we will let you go. Have a wonderful time in Ibiza. Thank you so much for taking this time with us. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, girls. And I'll look forward to it. Uh, listening do i get to listen to the podcast when it's all done? absolutely i will send you a link okay awesome all right thanks Ronnie. absolutely thank Take you care. so much have a great day okay, bye-bye bye-bye anna wasn't he so much fun to talk with what a nice man and go team spinning leslie cab <laughs> i love that you even knew what that was i still don't you even explained it to me and i'm still not entirely sure i'll send you, you knew, pictures, and he knew <laughs> so glad i need it i'm so glad you were able to join me on that interview because the clearly you knew things you know on a whole different level with him than i did and i think he really appreciated that what a talented guy i mean he so many genres dates right like i i just yeah, felt like at everything point, yeah it's like all the different musical styles and the date farming and the book and like all these and now he's you know jetting off to abitha just uh, and and that he would take the time to talk with us i just was absolutely really, really blown away by joked about getting off track but he was very on track <laughs> he was <laughs> and he i was just that, that was so much fun and thank you for letting me be a part of it kelly 
Absolutely. It's easy to see why he's had such a great career and, and obviously we wish him the best. That's very cool. And again, big thanks to Eddie and Caitlin from Plastic Culture for connecting Ooh, us with Plastic Culture! We love them. So yeah, that was really fun. Thank you guys all for joining us and um, for the support that you give to the podcast and to Bradley's house. Uh, again, as, as I'd say every week, I just want to thank you guys for that. It really does mean so much to me, to my family, to everyone on the board. And the fact that we're all doing this together to make Bradley's house happen is really huge. So if you do want to check out our website or any of the ways to donate or support, please go to linktr.ee slash Noel Foundation. It's kind of a weird URL, but it's easy because it has all the buttons right there. And that way I don't have to rattle off 52 different things. And it's always in the description. Yes, thank you. That's a great <laughs> reminder too. If I totally just messed it up, it's all it good. is in the it description. Always. So definitely, definitely go there. But please do check out our website. We've got some merch available on there. All of that goes to help build Bradley's house. All of your donations go directly to build Bradley's house. Um, we are committed to getting this done and we can't do it alone. So thank every you all little so bit much. Helps. Exactly. It really does. And there's so many people that every single week are, are making donations or purchases or sending messages of encouragement, posting things on our webpage or on, I'm sorry, on our Facebook page. I just want to say thank you to everybody for that because it really does mean a lot. So I'm super excited that we get to end today's show with Naughty Dawn doing Waiting for My Ruka from the house that Bradley built. Enjoy. On the east side, that's where I met my Ramona. I wanna go to a party. That's what she said. Lonely, that's what I've been Here's my telephone number, call me And to a party, a house party Whole loop of people just rally around me in love She sent a message of love She said, I love up the way you move, I love the way you rap. Ramona, please step back. Now she's my Ruka. I'm barely waiting for my Haina. Down to LA Right now she's selling oranges By the freeway I wanna know Ramona, am I the only one? Tell me And she said you're not the only one But you're the best Bradley And now I'm waiting for my Ruka I barely pulled up with my hyena I know tonight I'll be behind her Don't fuck around with my hyena enough.